Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, and Jimmy Stein, that's him. And if I sound like crap, well, it matches the way I feel. I've got something wrong. I don't know what it is. Like I was saying in the last podcast, when you have a three-year-old child, their mission in life is to sneeze directly into your open mouth as often as possible. And that is what mine has done. And I think I've caught something from uh, a kindergarten, a kinder music, a daycare, a nanny or something. Uh, it has been passed down through generations and made its way directly into my head and throat. <clears throat> and I am not doing well. So most of the talking today we be, will be done by Jimmy Stein, which I know many people highly appreciate. Jimmy, how are you today? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm just glad you didn't get sick. Remember the other day, uh, Sunday, when we recorded our uh, first uh, podcast after the Western Carolina win, uh, my wife was having her bronchitis in the background of my call. I was afraid that's what got you sick. But uh, yeah, that's right. It's your own, chi- it's your own child, uh, apparently. So uh, sorry you're not feeling well. Uh, you need to get uh, rested up. We sort of have a big game in 72 hours. Uh, as a matter of fact, 70, 70 hours from right now, basically. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm getting more and more excited the closer it gets. We just lost the basketball game, which uh, came to the surprise of absolutely no one. I thought it was sort of a game effort. I mean, we we, we didn't play well, but it, it seemed like we played pretty hard. And, uh, and, and we didn't seem to cower uh, being on the same court as a real talented North Carolina team and and we, we hung in there for various times in the game. But in the end, we lost the game because they have more good players than we do. So that's that, and we can just move on to football. Uh, two things I wanted to mention, and since I'm doing a lot of the yapping today, I've made two tweets. Those of you who follow me on Twitter appreciate that. Uh, but really, uh, the gist of what I want to talk about today is uh, is those two tweets. Uh, my first one uh, from earlier today was I counted up, and I'm not good at counting, but I counted up. And – What's amazing to me, uh, I'm sort of picking a point in time in the season, but Thanksgiving weekend is a pretty big deal in the football weekend because it's kind of the height of football season. We associate Thanksgiving with football because we're just in the state championship high school football games. The college season is ending. The NFL is well past the halfway point. Now you're talking about divisional races and who's going to be in the playoffs. So we're we're, we're just in the throat of football season. And uh, so, I, you know, you can pick Thanksgiving as a, okay, where are you at? Where are you at? Where's your program? And for the ninth Thanksgiving in a row, the ninth in a row, Alabama is in the national championship race. That doesn't mean Alabama will win it. Doesn't mean Alabama will be even in the playoff or in the championship game. Doesn't even mean Alabama will beat Auburn and we might not be in the championship game for just but another 74 hours or so. But the point is, on Thanksgiving Day, when you're sitting down with your family or you're watching football and you're eating your your cold turkey and mayonnaise sandwich like Luke is going to be doing at his house tomorrow. uh, I'm sick enough, Jimmy. I am sick enough. Please don't make me think of turkey and mayonnaise. I hate mayonnaise, by the way. I hate turkey and I hate mayonnaise. That's that's my nightmare. When Luke is sitting there eating his turkey and ketchup sandwich. Oh, God. uh, Tomorrow. And or, or or whatever he is uh, choosing to eat on his Thanksgiving meal. Think of this: nine years in a row, Alabama has been in the national championship race on Thanksgiving Day. That is 
mind-boggling. It's also not just nine in a row. It's 11 of the past 12 years, with the only exception being 2010, uh, which Alabama had a a horrific two-loss season on Thanksgiving Day uh, back in 2010. But uh, what an unbelievable run the Saban dynasty is. I don't think this can ever be duplicated nine Thanksgivings in a row in the national championship race. Second tweet was this afternoon, a little more in-depth. I went through and looked at some box scores looking to see what might stand out to me. And this is what stood out to me looking at Auburn box scores. Their they're two biggest wins, I know they've been impressive in losses. You know, they impressively lost close games to LSU, Florida, and Georgia, but they did lose. If you look, okay, well, what, what big games has Auburn won? They, they beat Oregon. That's pretty good. They beat Texas A&M on the road. That, that's pretty good. Uh, so I looked at those Oregon and Texas A&M games, the games they won. Why did they win those games? And it was apparent to me that the reason, the ultimate reason they were able to pull those games out is they rushed for 200 yards. Uh, Bo Nix did not have good games. Bo was something like 13 of 31 against Oregon. He was better like 13 of 21 against A&M, but didn't throw the ball particularly well. Uh, Auburn was able to beat Oregon, and they were able to beat Texas A&M because they rushed for 200 yards. So there's your tell, because I really think it's that simple. You don't have to look at the final score Saturday. You don't even have to look at the turnover the turnover column. You don't have to look at Bo's passing numbers or Mac Jones' passing numbers or Ty Piron's punts or, or, or Anders Carlson's kicks. No, what you need to look at is Auburn's rushing yards. If Auburn rushes for 200 yards against Alabama, like they did against Oregon, like they did against A&M, Auburn will win the game. If Auburn fails to rush for 200 yards or near 200 yards, then Alabama will win the game. That's your tell right there. Auburn rushing yards. Yeah, I think that's a that's definitely a good call um, because I, I've said for a while now that if Gus Malzahn, uh, if he does anything but just try and run the ball straight at all of our true freshmen, I think he's crazy. I, I don't think Auburn's got great running backs. I think they've got solid running backs. I think Booby Whitlow is fine. He's a, he's an SEC caliber back, but he's not Trey Mason. Uh, you know, Cam Martin will not play in this game. I don't know if you saw that. He will not play. I don't think that matters. Um, I think DJ Williams is fine. I think he could be a very good back. He's not yet. He's he's good. Um, and then Harold Joyner, I think he's fine. So uh, Malik Miller, uh, probably not as much. Four guys should be the combo that they use often. And I would, if I were Gus Malzahn, I would run those four guys and occasionally throw a deep ball to Schwartz and throw a slant to Seth Williams, who catches the slant just about as well as our guys guys do. He's not as good a receiver as any of our four guys, but he's good and he catches the slant well. Yeah, they got some. They got some guys. I mean, you know, I always like to say dudes as representative of of really good football players, difference makers, guys that are just really talented. I don't think Auburn has many dudes really not not on offense. They certainly do on defense, but they do have guys. And by guys, what I mean by guys are you know pretty good players, guys that that that, that belong in the SEC, guys that belong in games like this, guys that aren't going to hurt you 
They're more likely to help you than hurt you. They're just not dominating super talents. Derek Brown is a dominating super talent. I would say Marlon Davidson is a dude. I would say uh, Nick Cobb is, is a dude. I, I think they got other guys. Their DBs are better than – maybe less than dudes and better than guys. We could really sort of break this down into some minute categories here. But uh, Auburn's defense, Auburn defensively sports more NFL and Sunday talent than they do on offense. But on offense, they do have some guys. Uh, Schwartz, you better account for him. Uh, Seth Williams is a talented guy. He's just not super fast. The backs, like you said, uh, Luke, they're they're good. I mean, they're good players. Uh, I I think if if Auburn can be super smart about it, they can mix and match depending on the play call as to who needs to be in the game for what thing. And if they do a good job with that, they'll always have a pretty effective back on the field. Bo Nix is not a dude or a guy yet, but I, I'm pretty high on Bo Nix's future. I just think right now he's a freshman struggling to keep his head you know above water in the deep end of the pool uh he's probably just playing before he was ready to play but Auburn didn't have a choice because he's the best best guy they had under all circumstances so uh, I think uh you know that they, they've got some players they're, they're going to make it really tough on us the environment's tough uh Mac Jones playing his very first real road game and that environment is tough then throw in the pressure you got talking heads on ESPN saying well what Alabama needs is more like Ohio State's 59 nothing win over Wisconsin in 2014. If our kids go into that game feeling they have to win 59 to nothing or they might as well not show up, that A, that's just not true. And B, I don't even know how you win the game if you're showing up thinking that uh, anything less than 59 nothing's a loss. Uh, that, that, that's just pretty impossible. Auburn in 2019 uh, is just a better team than Wisconsin in 2014, who clearly decided as a group just not to show up that day. Uh, we're we're going to get an, a, a fired-up Auburn team uh, Saturday, and their fans will be going nuts, and it's in their place. They're going to be a 59 nothing game. But I think, you know, and I don't want to talk about the playoff too much because the playoff means nothing unless you beat Auburn. But one point about the playoff talk is this, about how Alabama's got to look impressive. You know, the committee at some point has to make some real subjective decisions, and here's one they have to make. Is Utah going to beat Auburn at Auburn? Is Oklahoma and their defense going to beat Auburn at Auburn? I mean, would Utah or Oklahoma definitely win that game? You know, assuming Alabama wins. Assuming Alabama wins, I'm like, yeah, Alabama won, but they only won 28-17. to 17. Well, shit, would Utah have won at all? At Auburn, because I, I don't really see it now. Of course, I'm 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 so biased they would remove me from the room when discussing Alabama. So and I get that. So I'm just saying the committee has to be subjective about some things when they break it down between Alabama, Utah, and Oklahoma, which which sort of looks more and more likely all the time is, is what's going to be the situation. And while Alabama's not going to win 59 to nothing, if they win at all, they may win something like 28-17. And the question to me for the committee isn't, did they win by enough? It's, well, would Utah have won at all? Would Oklahoma have won at all? Would Alabama have gone undefeated against the schedules that they played? You know, those are the questions they need to ask, I think. I think those that's very true. Um, but that's not – you know, here's the thing. The committee has gone against the grain a few times. and. So I'm not going – I'm sort of like you. I know 
everybody talks about it, but I'm not really talking about it yet. I'm just not worried about Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma in Stillwater this weekend. It wouldn't shock me if um, Oregon State were to upset Oregon just because Oregon is so downtrodden. And Oregon State's not as bad as they have been. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Michigan beat Ohio State. It, it would mildly surprise me, but I don't think it's impossible. I think they have a good shot. And if that were to happen, and let's say Wisconsin were to beat Minnesota, which certainly is fathomable since they are favored, um, what if Wisconsin catches Ohio State at the right time? I mean, a million things can happen. Look, we just happen to be the team that lost our starting quarterback. What if somebody else loses their starting quarterback? All of this is for naught until uh, we get through this weekend to me. Now, after this weekend, I think we'll have a much better idea of where the, the landscape is. And if Alabama has not beaten Auburn, I don't care if it's 59 nothing or 6-5, to five, it's irrelevant. So I'm a lot more focused on just winning this Auburn game and then letting the chips fall where they may. But even more uh, so regarding this podcast, um, I think that one thing we could talk about would be the Alabama-North Carolina game kind of quickly basketball-wise. Um, you know, because we'll have one more podcast we'll cut tomorrow, hopefully, that will do our big preview and predictions for the for the Iron Bowl. I watched a lot of this game today, and I listened to a lot of it because I was on my way to Birmingham. And the one thing that um, I, that stands out to me is this team it obviously has trouble shooting. And and they just I think they lack a cohesiveness and a confidence in one another to to hit these shots. I don't remember seeing a team miss as many layups as we do on a consistent basis. We miss them all the time. And when I watch, and I, I'm only going to use Auburn in my comparison here because that's the team I get to see a little bit more right. because I'm so close to them. Um, uh, Auburn has their team right now has a has a confidence and a swagger and a belief in each other. Our team doesn't have that. I think Nate Oates can get there, but we're missing some key components to to truly run his offense. I believe, and I don't know, frankly, that Alex Reese is a great fit for us. Um, I, he looked five times slower than everybody else on the court at times today. Um, JV, I mean, conversely, uh, Javion Davis, I thought he played well and I thought he was in his element. I thought he looked, he did well. Um, Kyra Lewis did not look like a first round NBA pick today, but he was going against a guy that's going to be a top two NBA pick. Um, Herb Jones, you know, after his freshman year, he was projected to be in the first round of the NBA draft. It's going to kind of shock me if he's drafted at all, given his career trajectory. He cannot shoot. He cannot stop fouling. He can get to the rim, but it's like when he gets to the rim, he forgets what he's doing. I mean, he's he, he can he's long and he's slender and he's quick at times. He's a great defender, but he also doesn't have the wherewithal to uh, know when his last foul today, the foul that fouled him out, for instance, was just a terrible foul. I mean, you can't you got to have you got to know where what point you're at at the game and how many fouls you have and he, he just he he seems to lack a game awareness to me um 
gosh, Petty, he shot well today, obviously, um, leading scorer, and he, he, he played really well. Uh, it shot much better than he's been shooting. Still think he is the best or excuse me, the worst good shooter I've ever seen. Everybody tells me he's a great shooter, great shooter. He's the worst great shooter I've ever seen. He 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 is a fine shooter. He is the booby Whitlow of three-point shooters. He's fine. I don't mind him shooting them. But quit telling me he's a great three-point shooter. Bryce Brown was a great three-point shooter. John Petty is not yet. He might be. He's not yet. Um, so that's that's kind of my takeaway from the game. What it, what have you got to say about it? No, I mean I agree on uh, on on all that, and you know I took some some crap for it on on the Twitter a couple of years ago when when Herb first started playing for Alabama, and I was reading, uh, oh he's going to play in the NBA, and then Nate shows up and says, oh you know Herb will be in the NBA. I, I, I'm not ripping on Herb by any means, but I'm like, you know I watch I watch the NBA here and there. Those guys can all score the ball. They all score the ball. Herb is Herb's not just. When they say not a score, he, Herb's a bad offensive player. He's bad. He can't. He's not a shooter. He's yeah. not a talented around the rim in terms of consistently getting to the rim and scoring. He misses layups like he did repeatedly today. Uh, Herb Herb is an NBA athlete. He's an NBA athlete. Hopefully, at some point, Herb will wake up one morning and all of a sudden he can score. But he can't, he can't score. And I don't care how athletic you are in the NBA. The, the rosters are too short. They also do not have time for projects. There is no such thing as a project. There's no such thing in the NBA as we'll put him at the end of the bench, we'll work with him for three years, and we'll see where he's at. No, 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 no. No, that's not what the NBA is. And the NBA is we'll pay you $10 million, and you need to be a great player today. And that, that's, that's what the NBA is. It's not – so – I, I, every time that I saw that two years ago during Herb's freshman year, I'm like, we must be looking at two different players because the guy I see is just not a scorer. But hell of a defensive player. He might even be the SEC defensive player of the year. I mean, that, that's what kind of athlete he is. But, but, and what you said about John Petty is true. Uh, Petty had a good day today, or at least he certainly knocked down some, he certainly knocked down some threes today. He certainly, you know, has his moments. He has his, his days where he scores. But but overall, John Petty is not a great three-point shooter because he doesn't make a high enough percentage of them. And, you know, and that's what's going to keep him out of the NBA. I mean, Petty can occasionally score, but what else can he do? So uh, it, it is kind of frustrating, you know, uh, watching this team play at times. Kyra was just overmatched against a great, uh, a great talent. Uh, today, I do I like what you said about Javion. Alex Reese is, is, is a good player. Uh, he's he's definitely an SEC type player, but with the style of play that Nate Oates plays, it's fair to wonder if he ever would have recruited and signed Alex Reese. Uh, just simply because, while Alex might have fit in to the Avery Johnson uh, program, I'm not sure he's a he's a run the floor type guy. So, you know, this is what happens in year one uh, when you you bring in a new coach who who's bringing in a new style of offense and defense. There's going to be some square holes and round pegs uh, is, is, is sort of an issue when you have a, a new guy in a new system. And I think we have some of that. That said, it's North Carolina. It's North Carolina. We're never going to be – when this game came out on the schedule, it was going to be a loss almost certainly. So there is no reason to be down in the dumps over losing to North Carolina 
even though we had some opportunities to be in this game till the end. Uh, there's no reason to be down about that. Uh, if you're going to be down about something, be down about the home loss to Penn. Uh, that, that was a, a good team, but, but a game we should win. If we're going to be good, if Alabama's going to be good, you've got to beat Penn at home, uh, and, and we didn't do that. And if we're behind the eight ball, that, that said, we got a, a, a two opportunities to get, uh, another, uh, to get a good win down the Bahamas. And me and you said before, Luke, we said last week, hey, come back from the Bahamas with one win, and that, that, that's, for this group, a pretty decent trip. Uh, come back with two wins, and it's like a grand slam home run, and that's still on the table. But uh, let's see if we can't get that win tomorrow. It's, it's Iowa State, right? Isn't it uh, Iowa State? It is. It's Iowa State. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know the particulars about Iowa State's team right now. They are annually good. They're annually an NCAA team. Uh, that, that's one of the better programs in the Big 12 in terms of on a consistent basis. But uh, if And their coach went to Alabama? High, yeah, Steve Prom, uh, yeah, that's right, Steve Prom. Uh, if, if this particular Iowa State team is loaded out and headed for the Sweet 16, that's news to me, but I wouldn't be surprised because they have that sort of program. So it's going to be tough, not as tough as the matchup with North Carolina talent-wise, but uh, an opportunity. Uh, every game's an opportunity. Well, another thing, you know, I know a lot of people had NCAA dreams for this team, and I and they're not dashed. I mean, certainly there's a chance. I mean, basketball is a marathon, not a sprint. But you look at, at our schedule. We've got a Richmond team coming up that just played Auburn very, very hard. And now Auburn ended up winning by 14, I think. But I watched some of that game, and there were some times where I thought, oh, shit, Richmond's really good. Um, Stephen F. Austin comes to Tuscaloosa on December 6th. They All they did was just go to Duke and beat them. They went to Duke and beat a, and beat a Duke team, ranked number one, that had a 100 streak at home. They hadn't lost a non-conference game at home since like 2000 or something. And Stephen F. Austin lays this shot in at the buzzer. Another part of the story that was cool that I heard about today, the guy who laid it in, is from the Bahamas, his home, everything was destroyed in the hurricane uh, several months ago. And they had a GoFundMe account, you know, that had been, you know, middling, it, you know, had like eight grand in it or something. After he made that layup, they've now gotten 50 more thousand dollars in their GoFundMe account. Um, Crazy. Pretty cool story. As well, I mean, it's just one of those stories that tells you how great sports can be. And when, you know, when you have people that say, we're oversaturated, and maybe we are a little bit. But when you have stories like that, um, we normally would never hear about that if we just had um, the the standard three or four games on per week that we had, you know, 30 years ago. Now we have games on all the time. We hear about them instantly through the Internet, whatever, and this kid's story gets out and he it really helps his family out. Just Just the magic of sports. I think it's awesome. Um, obviously we've also got Iowa state and then I guess we'll have somebody like an Oregon or somebody like a Seton hall or somebody like that. I don't know. Um, there are three games that we get to play and right. look, I, I just want to get one. I'm like, you just, just give me one of them and then we'll come home and we'll start, <laughs> we'll start trying to deal with Stephen F. Austin and Richmond and whoever else we got. We still got to play a Penn state the team. Lumberjack. At Penn state. Yeah. The lumberjack. I mean, man, right? we've got, <clears throat> We've got a schedule that's just, I mean, it's its brutal. I mean, it's like 
they said, okay, Alabama, since you're not playing anybody in the non-conference football, here's everybody in basketball. Here's all of them. <laughs> well, um, was the basketball schedule designed? I mean, here, here's the thing, yes. and I think we learned this from Colton uh, Houston, the uh, you know director of basketball ops uh, under Avery, who, who, who is so good at scheduling, he now runs a company that he's hired by different schools to advise them as to their scheduling. Uh, this is scheduled largely, I'm sure, set up either by Colton or by Colton's algorithm. So it is a non-conference schedule designed to get you in the NCAA tournament, which is brilliant, which is, which is Colton. He's, he's a real smart guy. It's brilliant, but there's a problem. What if the team's not good enough to make the NCAA tournament? So, so now, you're, now your team's not great, and you're playing a schedule designed to get to the NCAA tournament. Well, you have to be good to get to the NCAA tournament. So uh, Alabama's struggling a little bit, I think, with this, uh, with this slate that was designed to uh, help backdoor you in, but instead we're getting whacked over the head by the door. No, not only that, when you take into effect um, something like Beetle Bolden uh, has come in and oh. not been – as good as we thought he probably would be. Well, and um, he's banged up. We got banged up. Dude. Yeah, he's, he's banged up. Playing hurt. Beetle, Beetle Bolden was a game day decision because of his wrist. Uh, so we got some banged up, dude. We only got 10, and about three of those guys are hurt. So welcome to Alabama. Alabama basketball It's kind of like we've signed 13 kickers. So, uh, all right, we're 70, right at 70 hours from uh, kickoff based on when we're uh, recording. Uh, and one of the Auburn backs isn't playing. That's right, isn't it, Martin? That's not playing, Cam Martin. Yeah, I mean, but that's kind of <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, my throat is just y'all don't understand. I feel like in insert terrible joke here. I, I, I mean, I, I had several yeah, jokes. Right. And I was like, you know what? This isn't old talking Tuscaloosa. I got to keep it moderate. Got a headache in your throat? Yeah. Got a headache in your throat? <laughs> I mean, man, and it's funny because like my kids in Ohio Facetime me. And they FaceTime me as soon as I hit answer. Like, I coughed up phlegm as if an alien were coming out of my mouth to greet them. Like, oh, hey, kids, what's up? You know? and, and they were like, oh, my God, Dad, what is wrong with you? Because I think as I, you know, I'm coughing as I hit it. And when they get on the screen, like my mouth's wide open and they're seeing my innards, you know. <laughs> but is your, by next, the way, is your next stiff is it time to do an ad <laughs> no there's you know what here's the thing everybody should appreciate this podcast probably had a little less vigor than most of ours do because i am under the weather but and so happy thanksgiving everybody i mean don't say we never did nothing for you um i do have another story that brought up uh a good idea. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. This is not a Thanksgiving story, but it is a story. Nonetheless, um, a friend of mine, a friend of my father's, a pretty prominent attorney. And he has a, you know, a nice house on the lake and had a big skylight uh, in his kitchen. And he had a couple of sons and the sons are friend of mine. No names will be given out. And one of the sons one time when the father was having like all these judges and prominent other attorneys at the house for a big party, one of the sons who's a little more mischievous back in the day that remember this was 35 years ago. He goes up to on the skylight, sits on the skylight, spreads his buttocks apart and then sits on the skylight and starts knocking on it. Well, everybody's going to the door and looking around like, where's all that knocking coming from? 
And then finally he says, no, dad, I'm up here. And simultaneously, everybody looked up. And my, my dad's friend said, I could see through his gizzard through, I could see, I could see his tonsils from the bottom. You know, he said, I, he said, we saw everything. There was nothing. Nobody could not see. Yeah. And he said, uh, so, you know, he got in trouble for that, whatever. And my, my brother, my brother at the time who was much younger went over there to go play when all that was going down. And like the, our friend convinced my brother to help him like clean up the skylight, you know, so he's having to wipe down these ass prints off the skylight. But then, um, that's a true friend there. Several years later, I mean, 10 years later. So now the, the, my friend is in college, I think, or about to go to college. And the, the, the dad and the wife had gone off to like Europe or something. And, um, (laughs) he decides that he has some friends over for like a house party and he decides I'm going to go do that same trick. So he goes up on the roof and gets on there and spreads his cheeks and sits on the thing. Unfortunately for him, now he'd gained about 75 pounds. Uh, I was about to say, it's, I don't think those things are built for people to sit upon them safely. No. So the skylight gives way. He oh falls through the skylight, lands in naked. the disposal. Naked. Naked, but naked. naked. Lands in the disposal. He was two inches away from having a Price Fister enema. And so, (laughs) so anyway, the party goes on. He's fine. He doesn't really get hurt. A little bit cut up, no stitches, no nothing. Party goes on. The parents don't come home for a a few days. The hell of a party. Yeah. Party goes on. So everybody leaves. He's parents got a few days to come back. When the parents get home, like the skylight now, all it had was like some duct tape on it. Like his old thing was, all right, I'll get this fixed from my mom and dad get home. And like, he just never got around to it. You know, it's sort of like how, you, you know, you need, you, know, you need to change a light bulb in the garage and you and you don't think about it until you go in the garage. This was in the damn kitchen. He's got to be in the kitchen a lot. We, we were like, how in the hell did this not remind you all the time? He forgot. Like, Oh shit, there's a skylight, that skylight. Well, his parents, dad and mom come home. And there's just some random duct tape and shit up there. And, you know, some like even some shards of glass still falling and whatever. And he says, son, what in the world happened? He said, you're never going to believe it to pops. A wasp got in here and it was coming after me and I was trying to get it with a broom. So I started, you know, hitting up on the, on the ceiling and everything. And I hit the skylight with the broom and it crashed and I didn't know what to do or who to call. And, uh, you know, so I tried to fix it with the duct tape and here we are. And the dad said, son, I'm really disappointed. And he, he said, well, I figured you would be. He said, no, I'm not, not that this happened, that you had several days to come up with a story and that's the best you got. That's all you got. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's as far as the dad didn't happy. say, look at the size of that wasp. <laughs> he said, God, he said, was, was it a wasp or a pterodactyl? <laughs> I mean, did a crow get wow, in what here? Story. What a Thanksgiving story. What a great uh, family Thanksgiving story. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, I'm going to go. I swear to God, I think I'm going to go to the local Lifetime Fitness. I don't know if this is even good for me and just sit in a steam room and hopefully all of this phlegm and mucus will 
Is it? So is in good? true, in true, in true, uh, in, in true Alexander City blue blood fashion, you're going to treat your you're going to treat your bronchitis by going to the spa instead of you know a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I feel well, terrible. I have to head to the true. spa or maybe the polo field. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. But I did come up to Birmingham for all this, by the way. There, uh-huh. there are very few spas in Ellic City. They're not even any of those good spas that are connected to like the Chevrons, you know, that are like 15 minutes long. <laughs> I, love, I feel terrible. I'm going to go dine up on the, I feel, feel terrible. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go dine up on the mountain. I feel terrible. No, no, mom, mom, listen, I don't need any medicine, just a couple of sweet breads and I'm good. <laughs> Uh, all right everybody tomorrow Uh, we will have our prediction show tomorrow is the prediction show uh right now feel really good leaning towards picking alabama been picking alabama all week but it's not official until we make it official and uh we're also going to pick the other games uh involving all the playoff teams and uh I, i i feel i feel good about what might happen in stillwater so uh tune in for for that and of course uh an update on Alabama in the Bahamas taking we'll on a, team, a little that. bit more our size tomorrow, a we'll, little bit more our we'll, size anyway. We'll have all of that for you tomorrow. Roll Tide, everybody. Roll Tide.